All right, good. Can you hear me? I can. Awesome, man. Awesome. What are we talking about, by the way? Anything. We can just talk about whatever. I think this is just uh, <laughs> just fun. All right. What is up, guys? It is Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And uh, this is the first time since uh, I've set this up that I've had anyone in here for this podcast. You're the first one. Sweet. Yeah. yeah this so is a sick setup. I'm uh, I'm happy. It's coming along. It's it's getting there. It's, it's seriously, it's just the best part is I wake up in the morning and I'll go get on the bike and I'll just chill. And if like anything pops in my head, I can just go hit the button and start ranting and doing my video or whatever. Is that like where that. we hear these rants? Most of them are generally recorded, like not like this uh, proper mic and all that. It's I have a Rode lav mic in my car. So I drop my kid off from school. She go, She's over like by Myers Park. I clip it to the seatbelt. I plug it into the phone, put it on airplane mode, and I use the audio record button on the iPhone, and I just record it while I drive. That's why you always hear my fucking, the Tesla fucking ape shitting anytime I'm like <laughs> driving like an asshole or it's not. And so, uh, but that's it. I mean, because it's, it just, it's a 12-minute commute, and it's perfect for a, a nice, quick podcast and just a rant, just one take, and then I'll, I'll listen back to it, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, Do you edit? No. Never. Never. Love it. Never. Love it. Um, I just, I won't upload. If I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, you just swore and yelled. You didn't really get a point across. Like, you were just more <laughs> angry ranting than you were anything beneficial for anybody to listen to. Then I'll just, eh, do it again tomorrow. So I always laugh because you joke about hating driving. Yes. But it seems like you do a lot of the rants, and so it's part of hating it. Yeah, it's exactly. Well, it's like, it's <laughs> the one thing I don't hate it as much if I can get some content out of it. Yeah. Right? If I can, if I can double, tip, double dip. I get my best ideas in the shower from randomly and then i swim a couple days a week oh yeah and there's something about being underwater there's nothing else around but your thoughts that's where i get these random ideas i'll come home and tell jj i'll be like i thought about this when i was underneath the water or when i was in the shower so that's my place to do you take long showers I take retard. I like just stand there and just let the water hit me, and I just like I try to think and clear my mind. And I she's like, "What are you, are you jerking off? What are you doing in there?" My girlfriend's like, "What the fuck are you doing in the shower?" I'm like, I'm just be like, I don't know. It's just something about this I like. It's quiet. Yeah, it's quiet. I I I think I take average showers, but I do. I think I said this the other day. I said, is there anything better than a nice shower? Yeah. So no, I agree. It's the best, man. Yeah. Um, and there's like times where I'm just like. I remember I would just go take a shower. I don't even need to. I just want to get away. I just like, I don't want like my kid knows the door's shut. Don't come in. I just don't want to be around. Uh, I really liked your, the primal branding breakdown. We were obviously jamming on that off ban and then published. Let me ask you this. Do you enjoy writing more or podcasting now? Um, I think I like writing more. But I'm not, I'm not good at it. Like, I'm not gifted at it. Like, putting that, uh, that primal branding piece together took me a couple weeks. So, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I don't, it doesn't bother me to say this. Like, growing up, I remember barely being able to read or comprehend. Um, I remember being the kid that was very nervous to read out loud in front of, a, um, in front of the school, like, yeah. stuff like that. Now that I'm sharing my own thoughts, I do like writing, but getting the sentence structure correct, uh, like I I really write like I speak, and sometimes when I'll show it to people, they're like, well, that's not a complete sentence, Brandon. I'll be like, well, fuck, if you know how to read a complete sentence, read it as a complete sentence, please. So, um yeah, podcasting is interesting, right? It's an avenue to get our our voice out. all of the best uh, leads, 
relationships, connections that we've seen to make outside of your own circle of friends, I feel you're probably the same way. I think a lot of times you can be misunderstood on paper. And when people hear tone in your voice, like one of the things I'm awful at, I will say is like email. Like I associate some pretty gnarly tone to an email where I'm really just kind of just try to say what I'm thinking <laughs> and I'm not trying to be rude We'd about it. We never exist in corporate world. Like yeah. that would not fly. Yeah, exactly. So I think, um, you know, I had that uh, kind of look, I'm looking at that book right now that, that I just uh, shared with you, but like that uh, wrote a chapter for a book. Like that took me a few like weeks to put I don't know, a thousand words to paper. So it doesn't come naturally, but I do enjoy the finished product. I write like I speak as well. And when I brought the copywriter in, especially for the newsletter, I said the biggest thing from this is I'm going to tell everyone I'm using a copywriter, but I, I want them to be like, no, he's not. Like he's trying to flex or something. I want, I want, I want it to sound so much like me. And I, I do, like when I type, I do the dot, dot, dot. So like... All right, guys, so you know that blah, 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 when, dot, 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 and then I go into the next sentence, and I put dot, 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 and I start another sentence, like grammatically or APA. Like, I don't follow any of those grammar rules, but I I think that's a cool thing when you're writing for your own thing. You don't have to follow a single grammar rule. Like, I purposely, not purposely, but I, like, by the nature of how I type, my Instagram posts will have typos galore. I don't have a copywriter for those. And there's always some douche that wants to let me know. And I'm I'm like, typos, that's my brand voice. That's uh, that's my stylized brand voice. It's like I fucking spell things wrong because my mind is going a thousand miles a minute, and I don't have the time to sit here and think about this. Like I'm writing a Shakespearean fucking play. This is one piece of content that you're gonna, one of the thousand you're gonna consume. I don't give a fuck. You'll get the idea, and I'm gonna move on. And like the fact that you can sit here and analyze this one random piece of content that came across your screen and spend nine minutes writing me an angry email because I yep. fucking I did theirs and theirs wrong, mm-hmm. bro. You know it's a weird thing. Uh... Like I, I'm, I'm a secure guy. I'm a confident guy, and I can't imagine how that could hit someone. Cause like I, I explain to even my partner, like Kirk, from time to time. Like I'll have him like, I'll have him look something over before it goes out to the right audience that I got to be careful with. Right? I will not even see the mistake that could be there. Like I'm, I'm looking at my own writing, and and I, and I'm. It's not. I'm not half assing this. Like I'm really looking at how do I not offend somebody? How do I not do this? And like if I use, like you said, the wrong there, I'm sorry. But if you know where to place the right there, fucking place it yeah, in your head. go for it. Because like I, I don't know how that may hit somebody that might be a little bit insecure, but. You know, at times, like, someone will say, like, you know, have you ever taken, like, a spelling class? I'm like, like, no offense, man. I'm not trying to make this mistake. The only the only part of grammar that's actually important, it's not the spelling. It's a parenthesis. Yeah. I'm going to eat, comma, grandma. Versus I'm going <laughs> to eat grandma, right? Like, there's, and a parenthesis can make all, or comma, I'm sorry, can make all the fucking difference. That's really the only one that you might need to. But some of my favorite things, and it's come out of meme culture, You'll see the meme or the the bet, at Betches, which is one of my favorite female-driven uh, Instagram accounts, and it's just one long continuous thought with not an ounce, and like literally where you know there should be a, per- a purpose or a period, there isn't, and it's purposely just like it's, it's you could feel someone just ranting that fucking phrase <laughs> in their head. Well, one of the most interesting things is we are going from in in the business right now um, a lot of. Uh, years of in-person dialogue and lecturing and this and that, that now has to be textbook type stuff or learning management software stuff. Yeah. 
and I actually have to approach people on my team. I'm like, listen, the, like I speak in my lectures with a bullet point and then I go. So like taking a, a lecture on exercise science or a client avatar or our core customer, like if we are taking my notes, this is not going to translate into a learning management software. Yeah. So thank you. Thank God I have people on my team that can help with that. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I think that's why podcasting. I know I can get my point across in my tone and in my style of delivery. Uh, on pages, doesn't work the same. Did did they make you do edits when you submitted your first like thousand words, like a draft? Were they like pretty tight on that? Like, eh, we need it to feel more like this, or were they just your that's your entry? Go do you? Um, they did. But I, being nervous of probably producing something good, I made sure multiple people read it before I actually uh, put it out to the publisher. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so <clears throat> my mom's a very talented writer, um, so I let her read it. Um, I had my partner, JJ, who's here sitting behind us watching this podcast. She read it. She's a very talented writer. She, she can grammar check me all the time. Um, I had Finley who you've interviewed oh, yeah. on the podcast. Absolutely. Finley's actually, uh, a very good writer. I think she might've, she might've went to school for communications or marketing or something, but she's just a very gifted writer. So I had like my five core people that can evaluate my work. Yeah. Um, I, and then selfishly, like this is the first time ever being in any form of, a published, you know, a publication, like I, um, I took a lot of time making sure I did it right, even before I got it to the people that, you know, I didn't want to, I mean, um, I guess I'm just saying, I didn't want to be embarrassed sending something to the people that I was close to. So yeah, there was a process with it. I think the way it went, I delivered it um, to the publisher and uh, there was 33 other authors in the book or, or contributors, I guess you would say. And they took it for about six weeks. Um, the thing I do love about it, they didn't tweak anything. That's awesome. Other than they removed one fuck. Oh, well. they left in, I had two fucks. They kept one and they <laughs> left. You they one. took it. They gave me one. Fuck. <laughs> they gave you that one of it. your fucks yeah. for everyone. Uh, listen, so Brandon brought over winner's mindset. Uh, it's created by Eric Severson. And then, essentially, he had 33 elite athletes, coaches, and entrepreneurs, Mr. Brandon Cullen included, uh, submit chapters here. And it's kind of like um, I've got Tools. I don't know. It's the biggest stupid book I got here. Tools of Titans. I got Ferris's book over there where he essentially just went through and interviewed people. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm excited to dig into this. I'm still I, – I'm tech everything. I've got electric bikes and car. I do everything tech. I will not switch to this, though. I Like, I have not gone Kindle. I've not gone audiobook and I just, I need, I need the, I need the tactile. I need to feel it. I need to be able to highlight on it. Yeah. I just need that. Even like, uh, I got my notes over there for the commercial real estate course I took. And it's just like, that was my first time. Do you still write notes? Oh, so yeah, I write notes all over that. And cause it says it. And then I need to write it in my own way. Like I need to hear someone say it. I write it and then I'll write it in multiple places. Like I was a kid that would just do no cards hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of note cards. But it's because I just need to write those words over and over and the definition, do it five or six times for each word. And I I had it memorized. So I think that's, yeah. And that's another thing talking about like comprehension. So I remember like studying for tests, right? In order for me to comprehend what I was reading, like my notes. And I mean, I'm now I, 
understand like what part of this person, <laughs> what part of my personality this is. But I remember writing my notes out. But then like, if I didn't like the way the notes were organized on that paper, I'd have to like rip up that paper and redo my notes because they had to be in a specific order so I could comprehend and read these. Because when it came to the test, I could see like what was on my notepad. Yeah. Like I had to do that. Even now using Evernote. Oh yeah. I Evernote's live, my final product from my notebook. Yeah. I live on Evernote. I love the fact that I can take a picture of my thing and then deposit it yeah. into whatever note I'm taking notes on. I live yeah. by Evernote. Yeah. I uh, I signed up for their subscription. I didn't need it. I was just like, I feel like I need to give them money because I've been using your shit for years. And I just think it's a great note-taking product. I don't even think I had an option. Can, don't oh, you, you only have to do subscription now? No, no. There's like a free version, but you only have two synced devices to it. Uh-huh. So like out of all the, you know, the phone and the iPad and the laptops and all that, I, you know, if you want more than two synced devices, you got to pay. Um, but no, that's a great product. What what other productivity software, SaaS, anything like that, do you use? Like I'm a Google, like Google Calendar, I probably live and die by my Google Calendar. I hate Google. I hate their whole... Do you use iCal? So we had a system, um, me and my partner, Kirk, uh, before we partnered with Zgrowth. That was a learning curve. So we were all Apple people, and now we are all Microsoft Microsoft. Office. That's why we were on the Teams call. That makes sense. Okay. Talk about a non-user-friendly, non-tech person piece of software to use. Like, Apple accepts everything, conf- uh, like, converts everything. Yeah. Using, um, I do like it now. I will say that now, getting used to it. Did you buy, like, like, a Surface, like a pad, or, like, a, a Microsoft <clears throat> hardware? Or I, won't you just- do, I won't do that. I yeah. just, I buy the apps. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah, on. so we're there. So we use Teams. We use Microsoft Office. As far as my own personal productivity, it's definitely Evernote. Um, internally, I organize a lot of thoughts, um, and, uh, my, my data dumps Dropbox. Yep. Uh, even though we use SharePoint on the business Mm -hmm. side of things, but, um, yeah, um, productivity for me is not so much, um, what I use. It's time blocking. It really is. So it, it's not booking back-to-back meetings. And I know people on this call can be like, well, you have the luxury of doing that. Well, yeah, I do. I do. And yeah. because I have the luxury, I do it. So, like, if I have a 60-minute meeting, there is a 15- to 30-minute block in sure. between there. Um, we're pretty good with our time. Like, when I left um, the office today, um, I actually, every Friday night, I go into my Outlook calendar, and I set the away message that literally says, M-A-D, unplugged Saturday and Sunday, see you Monday. Yeah. And it's, they're like, do you put this out to your organization or to everybody? I put it to everyone. Like I, unless a burnings, unless a building's burning yeah. down, like honestly guys, let's, let's enjoy the weekend. Yep, 100%. You know what I mean? That's a uh, Evernote. My Google calendar is color coded. It's just an array. It's uh, there's a personal color. There's a WTF color. There's, there was an urban color, and it just blocked out, so I got to see how much of my day is personal today, how much do I got some calls, whatever it may be, and then I use uh, I use Facebook Workplace. I use that with the consulting clients, and that really? is just it's incredible. It's the absolute best. It's the best thing they've ever made. Meta, what Facebook, whatever the fuck they're called. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. It's a, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> so let let's talk. I want to go back to the Primal Branding thing. The coolest part was that. Uh, Patrick Hanlon fucking replied back. That was cool, right? I, it's like, I, I didn't even know the dude was on fucking, I mean, like, it makes sense he's on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but that 
that piece was really good. Give me, for anyone not familiar, I talk about this book all the time, uh, this Primal Branding by Patrick Hanlon. There's seven elements of every good primal brand. You have the creation story, the creed, icons, rituals, lexicon, haters and pagans, and then you have the creator himself or herself mm-hmm. or themself. What is your, you, you listed all yours out, and it's a great LinkedIn article for anyone who hasn't read it. I'll link it out uh, in the description, but what was your favorite, like, two? Like, what are your two favorite elements of Primal Branding for Metabolic? Well, let me back up because what, what I thought was super interesting, so you put me onto this book at the Self-Made Summit. Um, 2019, October 2019. Like, you know what I told Kirk, um, my partner today, Kirk? Uh, he, I'm sorry, I'm saying yeah. to the, the group, the people <laughs> yeah. listening, my partner, but yeah. Stu knows my partner. I said today, COVID was a two-year thing, but in my head, it's a one-year thing. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing when you go back and you're like, you know, we were in this funk for a year, yep. and Self-Made Summit was just two years ago, but it it's three years ago. It's like know. what's happening now. It's crazy. Yep. But I think you mentioned it in your lecture. Yeah. I was unfamiliar with uh, the book. And I remember asking about it. I was like, what was that book you referenced? I've actually never heard of it. So I went back and read it. So like I was actually newer to this book because like it's not new. No, it's not. Yeah. When, did, when did this come out? I mean, years ago. I mean, there's even there's a couple of YouTube videos he made specifically when he launched. I mean, it's a, he's got a website. I don't know if the website's still really active, but he launched this promo video for the book. And I think I found that in 2000 and. I don't know, 2017, something like that. So it's... it's and, the, and the weird thing for me is like this type of book is the exact, the only kind of type of book I enjoy reading. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I'm like, how do, how do I not know about this? So here's what was wild for me. And this has happened a lot in my um, <clears throat> entrepreneurial career. And to, to, to summarize it is I was doing things... I didn't really know what I was doing. I couldn't teach it, but like in my head from like having a drive of figuring things out and trying to like create an identity, I was doing all of these little pieces. So to to kind of back up, like even like now in the exercise science side of things and teaching movement, like we just finished today a two-day training camp with uh, trainers from all over um, the country looking to be a metabolic trainer, right? There was a point where... I was naive and arrogant enough to say, well, why don't you look at a training floor this way? If there's 20 people on the training floor, like, why are you not actually breaking the room down this way? Like, for whatever reason, like, you had figured out a way how to navigate this space, and you just say it, you, like, you know, in an arrogant way, and thought any person that lands on a training floor should look at it the same way. And then you had to build it into these systems. So, like, going to this book... As soon as I opened it, it was the scientific way of what I had been trying to create that brought back this, let me, let me be cheesy here, a primal focus on like what you actually need to do to have a successful brand. So they were in place, but it forced me to like go back and actually like truly define like what is the um, creation story. Like, could anyone in your brand actually tell you where this came from? So it was like, I would say 90% of the meat was there. It just was not organized. So going through that was a nice uh, exercise to actually bring things into balance. And like, I have to thank you for it because now 
when we bring on anyone from a trainer to a uh, like like think about it this way, even like a like like you said a, a copywriter, yeah, or a person that maybe um, looking at your uh, your branding, your yeah. vinyl windows, yeah, we're gonna make them go through a baseline education platform of what is metabolic and this is going to be a learning path um so to to circle back the two that really speak to me the creation story well i'm bored of my own story so i don't think that's very important um number two is we probably have to pull them out right because like so what so what are the so we got so yeah creation story. story creed rituals icons lexicon sacred words pagans and haters and then you have the creator okay so you just recently did a thing on creed yep now i want to i actually want to focus on this because this is real interesting for me so i looked at it in a completely different way that you looked at it on and the way you described it and you talked about your external creed and your internal internal creed. creed yeah and i have an external creed And now hearing you speak to the internal creed, I almost like think, okay, the internal creed needs some work. We need, we need, uh, some work on that because I I think you could almost like make an argument that the internal creed is probably more important than your external creed. And for everyone, for the internal, so essentially creed being one of these, and most times creed will also be synonymous with something like core values. But there's, in my opinion, there's like an internal, like what you and your team, the the people making the, you know, making the sauce are doing. There's like this internal creed. And then there's like an external, this creed that the members are going to know and own. And, and I do, because I believe there's a business culture and there's a culture on the floor. And, and they're, yes, they're synonymous. But there's also things that need to be understood within the business. We do things like this because of that. And I always give that example of I never let any of my, uh, one of our core values was uh, be endearing. Okay, and then mm-hmm. my operational—I always give an operational definition for each creed, and it's uh, to put the customer first always, my customer first mentality at all times. So, I remember back in my old gym when I was an unrefined uh, owner of CrossFit South End, I would park up at the front, and then when I got that building and I, I saw the scarcity of the parking spaces, I instantly flipped my mind. I was like, "No, fuck that, not a chance." So, me, none of my tenants, none of my staff will ever park here. We're parking all the way down Pelton Street, and we're going to fucking hoof our asses up in there. We're going to always open the door for you when you come in for class. We're going to have someone greet you at the door. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so that those were, you know, um, internal creeds that we had amongst the team to make sure that that client experience and it was actually being lived because I was always embarrassed. Like, what if I make a piece of content as WTF? And I'm telling people anecdotally, my creed is to be endearing. And then my customers listen to my shit. And they go ahead and be like, endearing my ass. Like, yeah, motherfucker's always parked right up front. Like, I, you know, that's rude as hell. I was always like, so I was always lived in this sense of you have to live the core value. If you can't think of a way that you live it weekly or daily, it's aspirational. Mm-hmm. It's not an actual real live core value or creed. It's an aspirational one, and that's fine. You just better find a way to fucking live it day in and day out or weekly or some level. Yeah, and the one thing I <clears throat> that I'm learning right now and it's real interesting, so with our company going to scale, right, um, it's very different than Kirk and I um, opening the first 10 locations and having uh, a pretty laser focus on what we were going to do or not do as far as where we're going to open and what type of people we're going to open. And now we're going to scale, right? We're, we're trying to do some great things. And what I like about this book 
you can have some simple core values, but there's flexibility for the city, the neighborhood, the ownership group, the market. They can live the core values or they can live this entire, um, the book is primal, primal branding, but the primal code is the seven. Correct. You can live the primal code. You can still you can still hold on to these seven factors, but you, you have to listen in a weird way to like what the the neighborhood's saying, what the you know, it's very different in a sleepy suburb than a metro city. I mean like and and you know, a lot of my people are probably listening to this and they're probably happy I'm saying this, that I'm I'm softening on things like music. I'm softening on things like um the type of person that has to be on the floor. And, you know, it sounds arrogant, but like when you, I think what a lot of people don't know is like when you're a little guy, you have to make a bit of noise, right? People are like, why is your tone so loud? I'm like, because I got to get fucking noticed. Like, no offense. Like, like I got to earn the right to be in a lot of these bigger conversations. And then maybe, maybe we can tone it down once we've, we've been noticed. Right. So I think we're getting to that place. Like, by the end of this year, we're going to have 60 locations in our portfolio. Yeah, <clears throat> It's very different than 10. And I, I wouldn't look at it as like softening on there. I look at it as like the fact that at scale, you have so many different humans coming in with so many different awesome attributes, personalities, backstories. And a, and a franchise like yours at scale is going to go into neighborhoods that are not going to feel like a Charlotte. They're not going to feel like Arlington. They're not going to feel like the original locations you had when you guys kickstarted the franchise. And so it's, I think it's actually a very mature sense of allowing others because at the end of the day, you and Kirk are no longer going to grow the company. It's going to grow on the on the backs of franchisees that come forward and say, I want to rep this tribe. And you guys just help make sure that as it grows, you're able to keep it exactly what it's always been. Like you got you there to make sure that this, you know, transformer doesn't get away from you type scenario. But yeah, I definitely don't, I don't look at it as softening. I, and I think it's good too because I think if you stayed hard and fast on everything, yeah. that would impede the growth and well here's what i say so so it's part of uh, part of the creed so let's say it's okay to soften but i in in our creed i said that um strength uh structure and accountability are the three things i want to focus on strength being the fundamental component of how our workout comes together right so that's that's not very flexible. Like that's, that's going to be something that allows us to stand out or or allows us to offer something different. I, what is your, uh, you don't have to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's just being better. You want to be better than the alternative, better than the other option, better than where you came from, but being the best carries a, that's a heavy fucking cross. And that's quite the statement to me. Yeah, absolutely. And we just did a, we just did a huge, uh, which I'm real proud about and ready to see, uh, how it comes out. We did a huge video shoot, in uh, DC with our uh, with our team there, and the guy had me on camera to make a statement for some B roll, and he's like, "Hey, Brand, I just need you to say this one thing." And he's like, "We might not be for everybody, but we might just be for you." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, oh, exactly." I'm like, "That's it. This is so that that's it. We're not better, but for a pocket of people that value strength, structure, and accountability, I think we're pretty damn good." Yep. So strength, the foundation of the program structure what i think is important to us is the things like and you talk about this a lot it's like clean bathrooms right 
It's locking the door when it starts, when the class starts. It's the fact that when you um, walk in the training floor, people are actually wowed by like the dumbbells are sitting on the exact, the crease in the, in the rubber on the floor. The numbers are facing (coughs) up. Yes. So structure and then accountability. Um, The one-on-one attention to detail on the floor, letting the clients know that you see them that you hear them and you're here to make them better. So, I mean, I don't think talking about tone, I don't think I'm being out of line sitting here than in the, in the, in the pop culture world of group fitness. There is a lot more rah, rah, have a great time, which is great. It's fantastic. It's, it's that. So, but I think, when we get the feedback of like, man, I really feel like I was being personally trained in a group fitness atmosphere. To me, that is that accountability. Um, we have a simple goal that everybody on our training floor deserves one performance related cue um, to make them a little bit better that day and one personal cue to let them know that they've been seen. Yeah. Um, I think that's accountability. So those, so if you were to say, what are the things that make the most sense to me in the, in the, I think creed is the, the biggest thing. I don't care how big we get. I don't care um, if you're in Manhattan, if you're in Charlotte, if you're in Austin, if you're in Wichita, Kansas, if you're in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, <clears throat> or you're in the sleepiest suburb in all of America to strength is happening. It's part, it's part of our program. Uh, structure you can be clean you can you can deliver that professionalism and that accountability of letting people know they were seen and making them a little bit better it it doesn't matter like you know you can do that and I think that's something that's real important to me I don't know if I could lean on anything else in the creed that would or in the code that would stand out to me well the cool part is is creed is number two and the reason being is everything you listed there then kicks into your other things so you mentioned the accountability you lock the doors but when class starts, that's ritualistic. That becomes a ritual, right? You guys have your momentum, anaerobic, and durability. That's part of the structure and all that. That becomes iconic and yep. ritualistic. So, like, that's why purposely I think, you know, Hanlon put Creed second because your Creed bleeds into everything else. When I get a gym owner on and he's hired me and this is our, our first call or whatever and I spend time on core value, I always see the the glaze. Like, oh, fuck, we got to talk about core values. And I have a, I have a series of slides. You're on it. Um, Alchemy's on it, NC Fit's on it, Orange Theory's on it, uh, a top, a bunch of top brands. And I break down what I've seen in core creeds and whatever. Examples. And I'm like, do you see where these, these are, these are things that are cool in a class you'd want to steal, right? These are cool ideas. Well, yeah. I'm like, good. Guess where they fucking came from? They came from a creed. They came from a unique belief in not only your core values, maybe a unique belief in fitness, but that's where all the cool shit comes from. So when there's the guys and I give them the hard time for just... Alchemy before class. They do, like, their logo has a circle in it. Yep. Circles, again, are, if you look at circles and squares, circles are more feminine. Squares and rectangles have angles, and they're sharp. They're pointy. They're more masculine by trade. But they have a circle, and before class, everyone circles up. And just real quick down the line, and I've been in class. I've seen out class alchemy of 50 people. And it just, John, Tim, Sally, do, do. Everyone just goes by real quick first name. Just real quick. Not where you're from, not question of the day, not wasting. I think it takes, honestly, about 90 seconds. Everyone just goes around and says their first name, and the instructor goes, cool. Now that we all know each other, let's work out. 
And I, th- I always thought that was super <laughs> cool. And I mean, I even had clients come to us at Urban and be like, would you, cause they came from a CrossFit gym that did like a, a question of the day. And that becomes a nine minute fucking affair that I just don't have time for in a, in a, in an efficient <laughs> class uh, schedule. But um, I have people come like, man, there's this person I want to talk to. And it's always kind of awkward because I don't know their name at the old CrossFit gym. They would write up people's names on the borders or anything we can do like that. And I understood where they were coming from. And I, I saw what alchemy did. I was just never finding a way to make that work for my model. But that's what I tell people. So the second they give me a hard time or kind of glaze over me, I could see the eye roll. Like when I start talking about core values, I'm like, that's where all the good shit comes from. You know, the cool thing too, is like, I imagine you're not a circle guy. No, no, <laughs> like, not much of a circle like guy. I actually, I'm not imagining. I know you're not a circle guy, but what I what I love that you put out from the content side of things is like you don't have to be a circle guy to appreciate oh, no. um, what what the circle does in the alchemy and environment. Uh, tell me, because um, you brought it up there, because there's a brand that. I'm not a huge supporter of like what happens on the, the training aspect, but as far as a business, I think orange theory for me is what are the, like, it's, it's someone you look up to, like their growth is ridiculous. Um, when you talk to people that have been involved with them, when they talk about their sales process, the way they got everybody firing on all cylinders. So like, like what, um, ritual number one, hell week. I love the contrast of hell week. So what your it used to be game yard day or uh, uh, field day, yeah. And you guys turned it to game day. Game day, yeah. So that is iconic. It's also ritualistic. It happens on a regular cadence. Orange Theory has Hell Week. Hell Week's where they do all their baseline testing. Now, why I love it is because of the contrast. Orange Theory Fitness, soft orange energy. It's as pussy as you can get. Hell Week. I love the contrast, and they bring it out. I think they do it once every, maybe once a quarter is too frequent, but it's somewhere probably around once a quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, they have, it's skulls with fire coming out of them, and it's, it's this moment in time that allows that Orange Theory person to feel a little bit more of a badass because that's probably where they lose people. After a while, they get bored. It's mundane. I'm like, ah, I've outgrown you, Orange Theory, and it gives them that opportunity. So that was a ritual I really liked. I also like their lexicon. They do very similar to what you did, what I did. A lot of people have done this. Uh, three is a very good number. Um, they create base pace, race pace, and all out. So for the cardio aspect, they have three little speeds. Right? Base pace, race pace, and all out. And based on the programming, some days is a base pace day. Some days is a race pace day, whatever it is. And people come in, and just like people are like, oh, man, it's durability day. Let's fucking go. And some people are like, sure. anaerobic days, uh, I'm canceling. Right? I'll eat the fee, right? Sure. <laughs> same thing in Orange Theory. They have the same thing. They're like, oh, it's race day? Ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for race day. But that's what lexicon is. It gets people using language that only you and your tribe know. So that's cool. I really, I, those were things I really picked up that I liked about them. I think ritualistic, also, if you look at the assembly line, and you can think this is good or bad, it is a beautifully orchestrated assembly line of people moving around the room. Say what you want about the exercise quality and the type of exercises, but yeah. I mean, like, I just picture a guy like a conductor with the fucking sticks just crushing and like, boom, switch. And I mean, you put 45 people in an 1,800-square-foot room, and I would challenge anyone listening to this to make as much sense of the flow. And I make sense. I mean, narrative sense. Somebody looking through those glass windows for the first time. And that's one of the brilliant things Orange Theory is. It's all glass looking into the studio, just mm-hmm. like you guys have. It allows an onlooker to look in and, oh, I can see what happens. You move to this and you move to this and you move to this. That in my head makes sense. Versus, I always, you know, criticize CrossFit classes. It's, uh, it's chaotic as fuck. 
It like one person's swinging a kettlebell, that person's jumping out of box, that dude's puking in a garbage can. What the fuck is going on? And it makes for a bad narrative. And I'm all about that. So yeah, those are the things from like Orange Theory I, I picked up on from a primal branding standpoint. I feel like so I have the same feel for and people will laugh to hear me say this. One of my favorite brands <clears throat> in fitness. Let me get another hit of that. What do you think? Favorite brands in fitness? Mm-hmm. As in, a, like, a brick-and-mortar studio? Yep. Berries? Nope. F45? I love I love what they are doing um, from a look. I think they are, to be honest, like, F45, you want to hear it? You are, uh, you're doing what we do. You're, yeah. you're saying what we do. Yeah. I think they're doing an amazing job. They're, they're marketing. <laughs> was that 45 it? Was that the one? No. no. It's actually Pure Bar. Oh, shit, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I love that they unapologetically know their core customer better than anyone in this whole world. <clears throat> like, I, I've i done a Pure Bar class uh, as part of a, we did a, a, they called it a bar crawl. Oh, so nice. it was like, so it was a men's yep. Pure Bar cra- class, and we went from uh, class to the bar, bar. to yeah. be honest. But what I love what they do is, number one, their footprints beautiful. Yes. Two thousand square feet, yep. a single bathroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you what do you think that build out cost? Fifty easily fifty. And it's funny, it's one bathroom and it's an all women dominated class. I'm not saying it's all women, but like you know, and then I think about like I built out five bathrooms. God, I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. And uh they're not apologizing not to find a, a male. Yeah, they're not trying to find a male. Um, they, they, they are the best at finding the clientele that they specialize in, and they don't apologize. I love everything about what they do. I love that every one of their clients are a true believer. They'll buy those goddamn overinflated socks because they have a pure bar a label on them. Yeah. Um, like I, ju- I just love what they do. Yeah. Um, when I always, what I find funny about let's say a let's say flywheel that i i do think is gonna make a comeback i was about to say rest in peace yeah let me let me let me put that put that there because i think someone bought the assets and the name and i think they're gonna come back but when you see like a spin studio that they're great at cycling spinning whatever you call it right And now you have to add these weights at the end because we're not getting enough balance. Like they're they're admitting there that yeah okay the cycle's not enough. Where Pure Bar is not saying hey let's uh, we also have this barbell class that we offer to complement your Pure Bar. Yes, they're just saying do your Pure Bar and we're going to target this exact person. And I love that about them. So that's that's one of my favorite brands that just they know who they are. And they, they do it well. I don't believe in the law of distribution for the micro gym and the boutique model. What you do to one side of the equation, you have to do to the other. I don't believe in an even scale. I want the scale to look like this. Boom. Like one heavy down, one up. I don't want it to look even. Because if it looks even, it means you started with probably one. And generally, nine times out of ten, you start with one, and it's not as heavy as what you thought it would be. It, it, didn't, it didn't crush like you thought it would. So, like, well, how do I get a little bit more of the market? Or some other guy's winning with the other thing, and you try to balance it out. And I just, 
I've rarely, rarely, rarely ever seen it done well. I mean, it's just, it, it's very difficult to do. And I think historically, if you look at the top performing brands, it's just go, just way down on one thing. And it, it makes your, it makes the pagans, the haters of Primal Branding super easy. Like for you, it'd be like, oh, there's uh there's no barbells. I want to lift barbells. Cool. That makes it instant. We don't even have to have a conversation, right? It'd be like if you were on the dating pool and you were, you only wanted to date a certain political affiliation and you get on your Tinder and you're like, oh, that's someone else. That's they're red or blue and I'm not. And that makes it easy. I can discredit them instantly. I think that also versus the client who gets in and you work your ass off to get them in there and sell them and the lead nurture and all that. And then they put out in three months anyway, because it's not what they thought it was. Cause you're doing a little bit of both. Sure. Some days your strength, other days your cardio. You got like, I just, yeah. I don't see it. I don't believe in the law of distribution for and fitness. I, I think about the other seven too. So the one I struggled writing the most was uh, the leader, the last one, leader yeah. or leaders or yeah. whatever. So I think a lot of people in um, our organization, our team, um, customer-facing, client-facing, <clears throat> I think my team would say, a lot of people would say Brandon is the leader. Sure. Fine. That's, that's uh, it. did I... Um, at a certain point, start with Kirk and say, here's what I think we could do. And, and all of that is probably true, right? But it's so fucking far past that. Sure. So this idea that there is a leader is ridiculous at this point. Um, I'm comfortable in front of a camera. I'm comfortable on this microphone with you. So Kirk, he, he is a massive, massive influence our community that hates cameras and hates microphones i know and i happened to just get him on camera that one day when i was filming yeah. you guys and we did that one of you guys were in the hotel room when you were in uh houston for the, yeah, for the so, one interview for the weekly so i luck out i get to yeah. i get to be on this thing with you tonight i get to speak what kirk and i talk about in in our offices i get to um bounce ideas off finley i get to have uh, uh, a private equity firm that has merged with us to grow our cool company with a lot smarter people than me. So like there's this idea that <laughs> there's this leader. Yeah. That's a, that, that is very, that's a, that's a small window that goes away very quick when you start doing some things. So I have some fucking fantastic people that make me as the leader look awesome. Yeah. Um, I have the, 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 the best business partner in the world that doesn't have to be behind the camera <clears throat> that has, uh, he can put me in my place quick sure, with all my crazy ideas of what we should try. Um, it's for I, history though. So yeah. it's like, who's the leader of the, if I ever, again, I'm from a Cleveland Browns fan, it's Jim Brown. Right. Who's the leader of you think of the Yankees Bay? Like there's always historically somebody who might have not. It's not really the leader. Sure. But it, it, for the for the purpose of the history books and the purpose of telling the story, like Greg Glassman will always be the leader of CrossFit, no matter sure. who the fuck is the CEO. Yeah. And I, I think it's super important for history because people who do great things like shit will be written about your model, regardless of wherever it ends up further down the road. It will be referenced in a point in time when we're all, you know. We're not doing in person. We're all wearing VR. Whatever fucking happens at 150 years, whatever. But they will talk about these days where they're there, you know. And I, I love to think in person still there and brick and mortar still there in 150 years. But there will be history text about this industry, and I think that's the important thing is just being able to tie somebody for the for the something when you're long gone. 
I get it. I get it. And that, <clears throat> and that's fine at the end of the day. Um, I like, like, like I'm in a place now where, um, like I've been in a leadership role for a long time and, and not, not chosen to be honest. So like, even like, so I grew up playing hockey. I was lucky enough to eventually be a minor league plug. You know, I did it for a few years, uh, amateur in Canada, and then eventually played in the AHL and ECHL. Right. And I always found myself in a assistant captain kind of captain role, right? <clears throat> not asking for it, nothing like that from whatever, leading by example, the, uh, the person that was okay with risk, all that stuff, the same thing. Like, you know, the one thing you talked about, I, I know we're going to do this offline, but looking at like, uh, the, um, your business of, uh, what's, what's tier three called? Like a tier, what, a tier three market? No, what? the, um, the micro gym buying the building. Oh, uh, the gym real estate company. And that's, is that number three in micro gym university? Uh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, it's WTF is the parent and then MGU is a DBA under that micro gym university and (laughs) the gym real estate company is currently a DBA under that. And if it takes off on its own, it does something unique. I'll I'll ship it off in a different way. So I think one of, I think one of the things that like is, is the biggest hurdle for you there is your appetite for risk. Sure. Like you, you, you went out and bought a building in South end, one of the fastest growing cities in, um, in, uh, America. And teaching, hey, it's okay. You can go buy a building. It'll be a lift for you. Do you know what I mean? Because like you have that appetite for risk, like what could happen. So I, with that relationship of being the leader, like if I fit, if if metabolic dies tomorrow, I do believe in myself that I'll figure something out to 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 pick myself up and f- figure something out, right? That doesn't downsize the role I'm in right now and the support staff I have. Like, me and Kirk, (laughs) for the better part of a decade, everything from franchise sales to programming to growth to seeing facilities, all that, right? So now, like, we have a commercial real estate team. We have a social media team. We have an opening team right? We have a program design team, a training camp team. So to say that I'm the leader, fine. So I have a loud voice. Sure. People are comfortable with me delivering a message, but, um, I'm not exactly comfortable with the term leader anymore because I do think it's a lot more of a collective team at this point. And I think that's the huge benefit to a, uh, this is not a corporately owned thing. This is a franchise system, and I think it's the, I think that's a big distinction, right? What is that book you love about the one um, the company operator? of one? Company of, company one? of yeah. one. We are not that. Yeah, we are we are a well-oiled <laughs> machine. Yeah. We are yeah. a well-oiled machine, yeah. and I get to be the voice for a lot of smart people. Is how I'd sum it up. And I think leadership really shows up when the shit hits the fan. And and this is maybe this is, I'm obviously not trying to speak anything into existence. The day, if everyone thinks in your company, you're a leader now, wait till the day there's something bad that happens within the ecosystem of mad and someone's got to speak up on it. 
you know, I uh, I had this recurring dream for the first year that I opened up Bourbon Movement. I put those two big ass fans into the ceiling, and I had this recurring dream. I shit you not, of them coming down. <laughs> during class and killing everybody. And it was the South End Massacre of 2017. Like a legit dream. I mean, recurring nightmare, wake up in sweats, like to the point where I paid structural engineers to come back out (laughs) to triple check. I was fucking paranoid. And, um, because like, that would be the thing. Like, I feel like I'm riding high, I'm on this wave, things are good, and then I'm going to kill 30 people in a night. And that's all that's everything remembered. But if when when tragedy hits, like whether it was COVID, like again, you having to be at the helm, I'm sure you had to have a lot of conversations with your franchisees yep. and be a leader then. I think, and that's the thing too with the leader, when the story, when the history comes in, and again, we're not talking, you know, you're going to be at 60 by, you know, 60 uh, franchises when you're at 160 or wherever this takes you. And when you're long gone, it's the leader, I think, the thing that's so important is how that person showed up when shit went bad. You have a, I think I just told this to a guy today. He's got three locations. He's got operating managers at all three. And he, you know, he's like, things are great. I'm like, things are great. Operating manager number two gets a DUI and kills a seven-year-old next month. How do you show up that next fucking day? Like, what do you do then? He was, you know, he's like, I'm this great leader. I'm like, you've never been pressed. Like, that's something nobody can plan for. But, like, that's when real leadership is going to step up. And that's when the history books and the fact the primal code of the leader will look back on and be like, that was a guy that when shit went wrong was really able to show up. Because it's easy to be a leader when things are golden and great. But, I mean, for you guys, I mean, you guys look like a an overnight success story, but you and me both know you guys are a, a decade and a half, you know, you guys are over a decade of an overnight success story. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes. Um, It's also weird, right? Like today, how do you react to cancel culture? How do you react to our society? Like how do you be the leader? Um, That's tough too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Especially with your grit and the style and the voice that Metabolic has. Yeah, and and for me, and I've said this a thousand times, so so let's – I'm going to name drop. Um, Charlotte specific, James Yoder. Yeah. Not just coffee. Yeah. Best friend of mine. Um, not only is he a great leader, he's a amazing manager. I'm a good leader. I'm, I'm a, I'm working on that management side of things. I think they're two, um, different skills, wild yeah. skill sets. So leading is just a kind of like, you can, you can, Lace up your boots and and you can <laughs> play guilty. You can, you can you can make shit happen in a bad place. So like COVID happens, can I figure out Vimeo and make something happen that's good enough to get us through this? Fine. It's very different than um, managing your people during COVID. Yeah. Um, taking care of your clients during COVID, listening to your clients. So like that's, that's a skill set that it's not a natural great thing for me. I can, I can perform. Um, I think a lot of people in my life, um, again, JJ sitting behind you. Like there's almost times where if I'm in a bad place, I'm probably going to perform better than just in a complacent pace. But that, like, skill set of being able to, like, manage people to rally the team versus just, like, follow my lead. Um, Follow my lead was easy in sports. Uh, The leader of a company, you know, I got to work on some things to get better at the management of people. Yeah. 
if that makes sense. I'm the same way. I, I do my best cooking when the kitchen's on fire, right? <laughs> like, uh, closing on that on the the deal on the building, you know, having to do this whole retire bow out thing, having staff, that whole thing, um, taking the CRE classes, starting the new company, and getting sued by a tenant in a law kind of scenario. Like, it was just, and I remember Jess was here, and my mom was on the phone, and she was like, ah, oh, blah, 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 you know, I'm worried about him. And she's like, he, I think he prefers it this way. Do I get to, do I get to press you on that a little bit yeah, too? Because I got to saw that. Yeah. Right. So I know it's your podcast, but yeah. like, oh yeah, it's just a conversation. We just happen to be wearing funny hats with microphones on them. That's it. Yeah. It's just a conversation. So like that, I saw that go down the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of internet chatter. Sure. Um, how did that, like in, in all fairness, how did that go down for you? You are a business owner. You own the building. You have an offer you can't turn down. You have tenants you have to think about. I know this was not an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. So like tell like. Yeah. So everyone, um, there was an article that came out in a local public, a popular local publication where they interviewed uh, two of my subtenants, two of them that were uh, that no longer have a lease. Um, then they called me and interviewed me a couple times, and it was uh, it was meant to be a hit piece. I don't think it came out too, as bad as I thought. It was I, in my head, it was going to come out a lot worse than it was. But essentially, two tenants who got kicked out of their location early, shy of their lease. Yes, that's what happened. Um, and the funny thing is, and I don't know if you saw that in the article. In 2017, I wrote an article for. I just wrote an op-ed to the Charlotte Agenda, to Katie Levins, and I, it was titled, I just got kicked out of my building, and I'm not mad about it. And I wrote an entire article to, to the Charlotte Agenda, which is this publication, and I talked about how I get it. I understand this normal course of business, and I chose this very growing city, and I realized that I'm going to have to zig and fucking zag, and I'm going to have to move with it, and this is just the nature of the business, but I'm <clears> going to I'm gonna bounce back. I'm going to be fine. And that's what I did. And unfortunately... Um, when I dissolved, when the lease, the my gym's lease was dissolved, the two sub-tenant leases instantly get dissolved. It's North Carolina law. And uh, it sucked. And if and I feel horrible about it because they were two good, two good lease tenants, two good people. The big problem I had with it is that I fucked up big time. I was giving them below market value rent to the nines. It was because the gym was doing so well, I was able to do that. And I felt good about that. I was like, oh, I'm a good guy. Well, guess what? Now that I booted them out. Meaning they can't go anywhere at the same price. They cannot. Okay. There's nowhere in Mecklenburg County they could get. Well, that's, that's a growing city. Correct. It's a yeah. growing city. And I, I do have guilt around that. Um, but at the end of the day, it, I mean, what ha- okay, what would have happened if, uh, if COVID would have shut urban movement down? Same thing would have happened. It would have been the same outcome. What if I would have actually raised them up the fair market value rent? They would have had the tap out event. So when that article came out, there was a decent amount of hate, and we've got a little bit of a controversial thing going on right now, a little bit of a lawsuit going on, mm-hmm. um, and a potential lawsuit. And it's uh, it's pretty it's it it's tumultuous. I go in there, and it's it, it's not a happy place right now, yeah. and I feel bad because I. I like that individual. I think I wished him nothing but the best. It's just how shit went down. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. I don't know how you unpack that. Like it, it so I um I read the article. I remember um I remember the article you being booted. Yeah. And didn't know you at the time and I was like it was a, it's a cool way to take it, mm-hmm. right? Um I'm not exactly mad at the response from the owner. 
You know, you're, you're fucking mad. Yeah. You're mad. 100%. You're like, whatever. Yep. You're mad. What What's annoying is, like, the article, the comments on Instagram. Sure. Like, like no offense to the people that are not owning a business, that are not... Uh, there's, there's nowhere to go with this. Sure. Like, it just... <clears throat> I know you. You are not out to punt your tenants at all this is a part of business they're uh the american dream to a degree i know this is a fucking blanket statement but build to sell build to be acquired like it's not a bad like it's not a bad thing you know what i mean um you had to rebuild from being booted out to create urban movement, to give other people an opportunity to eventually get an offer you couldn't turn down. You you can't turn down what was presented yeah. to you. Okay? So... And let's even just say, you could, I didn't want to. And I'm totally good with saying that out in the open. I It's not that everyone's like, oh, you got an offer, you can refuse. You can refuse any offer. I didn't fucking want to. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I've always said this. Uh, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. They're like, well, what if... What if Metabolic one day sells? Like, what would you do? I'm like, well, what are we working towards, guys? Like, no offense. Like, <clears throat> I like my biggest thing is if my name is attached to Metabolic, if Kirk's name is attached to Metabolic, Kirk, and uh, I can say this, I can speak for him because he's my my best friend, right? Even more so, Kirk. There is a certain level of professionalism that needs to be attached to this brand and what happens on the training floor if our name is attached to it. Yeah. If that goes away, you fucking know a sellout will happen, right? Sure. If it can be maintained and we can grow with it and all that kind of side of things, like, but for, for founders <clears throat> to say, I will never sell. Yeah, you you can't predict the future. I I I remember telling this with Isaac and Deuce back in the day, and uh, you know what we do if this happens or that happens. This is before the the building was up for lease and all that. And I was like, I'll be honest, like it, it it's all circumstantial. Like right now, if I woke up tomorrow and my kid is fucking pediatric cancer, I'm fucking wiping this entire place clean. I'm fucking liquidating everything I own. And she's literally, I'm going to get God as her fucking doctor. I'm going to do whatever I can. Like it's all circumstantial to the situation. You don't know what you'll do till you're there. That's why I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't try to predict the future. Like what if I'm like, I don't play. What if I play like right now, I have no fucking clue. And we can have the conversation because it's entertaining. And you know, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? You'll play that game when you're in high school and a kid. Um, I'll, uh, you know, I'm going to react as it comes in and I'm going to try to be as calculated and lean on people that I, I trust and that have, you know, uh, that, that I think know more than me or can see it from a different angle because I'm too close to it. But that's the best you can ask for. Yeah. You know? I agree. I, yeah. I 100% agree. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we had today. So I, I found uh, Carolina Fitness Equipment. David Preble is the owner there. I know that guy very well. Great dude. He's a very good dude. And uh, he bought every stall mat oh yeah it's do you know how hard it is to unload fucking stall mats little oh, yeah. 300 of them they had them out in two hours today i was getting quotes because i'm like there's no way i'm going to sell 300 stall mats to people one off like a couple here a couple <laughs> there for garage gyms the price to get them out of the gym would have been close to 10 grand 
I was like, and recycle them. Like, get the fuck out of here. Anyway, that happened today. There was an issue with the bikes. It's just, it's one of these things where I understand someone getting mad on the tenant thing. But like, I truly believe this is cliche is life is 80% what happens to you. It's 20% how you fucking look at it though. Sure. Because you bury yourself in, in, the, in this pool of negativity. It's going to crush you. Like that energy could be spent finding an alternative. Look what, okay. Sky, uh, sky ride. Sky, the, above uh, above Yoder's place on Park Road, the spin studio on the roof, above Green Brothers oh, Juice. Shit. and you know if I know them? All right, you know Sweatnet, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Tom Gallagher, uh, the, the co-owner of Sweatnet, he's Grace's husband. Dude's stupid smart. If you've never talked with him, he's a super smart did business Tom guy. Do, did he do some uh, photography? Oh, yeah. So I do, know, I do know Tom. Yep. Flywheel goes out of business at Myers Park. Tom goes and finds the bank that holds the, the first note on it. And contacts them, and they sell him all the bikes, fifty bikes for seven grand. I'm, 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 I'm thinking seven grand. When he told me this, we were both pretty drunk, but I'm pretty sure it's seven grand. He goes and opens up. He goes to Green's Brothers Juice. He goes, "Hey, what would you, what would you rent me your roof for?" And they're like, "What are you talking about?" Because they even, like, I don't know if you've been in there. You got this nice access which, which point, place? the Park Road one, next yeah. to Nizio's yeah. and not just yeah. coffee. You can get up there beautifully. There's really? This, yeah, right up there. And they're like, "What?" So he can strike up a deal. And I don't want to give away too much, but he's essentially got a really sweetheart of a deal. He gets 30 bikes up there. He gets all the old flywheel instructors back to get the band back together. And he gets 30 fucking grill covers. Brandon, he puts grill covers over the bikes at night. They so run they just... four classes in the morning. During the summer, they're just doing a seven, an eight, a nine, and a ten. Is it still going? It's still there. He's, I think, he's just trying to figure out when the cutoff time. And he, you know, it's Jeez. Charlotte. He can go be going into December. Smart dude. I got to get Fuck him to start dude. correcting by theirs, dude. He's, by writing. He's absolutely <laughs> killing it. Um, and it, but it's just like again, it's that's the guy who <clears throat> you know, Sweatnet got hit as hard as anybody, you know, with the pandemic and all. They're in a, they're a fitness event company. Guess yeah. what didn't happen at all? In the past is fitness large scale events, and he pivoted. There are some so. At the end of the day, right there, there are some shitty human beings. Sure, there, there that exists, but the fallout of you were at the bad end of a situation, which I do believe was <clears throat> what happened with you guys and what you may be going through now. Like, I don't think you're a shitty human being that is doing shitty things to people. Right, you had to play the card that was dealt to you. Right, yeah, and at at some point there is like, oh, th- this isn't going to come off any fucking better. But I'm going to say there's some collateral data or damage. damage. Like that's that's worse. But like I mean, like you're not setting out to fuck anybody. Correct. And like reading the, um, I don't know why I'm reading these posts. To be honest, well, well, why am I talking about what's happening on Instagram right well, now? And who's so, yelling at? Like it's the, ridiculous. Well, so I see it, and uh, anytime new development happens in Charlotte, you can predict the comments. Forty-five percent will be positive. The remainder will be angry because it's a brewery or an apartment complex. I, I'm I've gotten so into urban development. I, you know, um, my uh, my previous wife's dad, my ex father in law, uh, very well known architect here in Charlotte. That's his thing is land, urban design. He designs cities. He designs, you know, boroughs, that whole thing. And, and, and him doing that really got me interested in it. But, like, when I see that there's a new apartment complex going up or a brewery in Charlotte, just like you do, I'm sure, you're like, that's great. Now we're getting closer to Chicago. 
Sure. We're getting closer to whatever. Now, granted, I think our commercial real estate prices are fucking outkicking their coverage right now, and they're going to make it really fucking hard for small businesses to set up shop. Yeah. And what, unfortunately, that does, if you look at urban design patterns, when real estate prices get too high, it blocks the small business entrepreneur, and guess who it allows? The chain conglomerate. And that, unfortunately... I hate that. I really hope that there's some conservation in that. But that is, uh, I, I do think Charlotte is, and, and all the tier two cities that you and me talk about are needing for some rent control. Well, me and James from Not Just Coffee, talk, we know each other's business models well. And we uh, we actually, it's my it's my business guy and friend that I can actually share, share real numbers with, right? And I and I I've never asked you these kind of questions, but like, could you imagine, like 2011, starting? Let let's say uh, let let's just say urban movement 2011. You're going to give it a shot. Yeah. You want to do it in South End? Let's say metabolic. We don't have a name. Let's yeah. say not just coffee doesn't have a name. So now in South End, uh, good fucking people from Charlotte want to start a uh, a coffee or fitness business and you're going to pay between 45 and 50 a foot. Yeah. You're you're in trouble. Yeah, if it's a new build you're going to do it and um it's tough cuz you look at if it's an existing warehouse you probably can still get in for the 20s. You can get in for the 20s up to the 30s, but you're going to pay for your own outfit. So you're still got to go you got to go to the money. bank. Yeah, it's same money, it's same just money. Alley, it's just going to be paid to somebody different. But yeah, it's it's the same. My first location was uh, twenty one hundred square feet, and I paid seventeen fifty a month. Okay, I remember writing a check for one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars, and it literally I stood. I, I mean, I remember staring Where at was it. Where's that? Um, on the corner of Mint Street and Carson Boulevard. Um, our Palmer right there. Uh, it's where that giant thing's going. I was right down the street from Unknown Brewery. I was right that there. That was before. And then I moved to that bigger standalone building okay. that was by the pan. That's right next door. But my first place, seventeen fifty, and then my next location went up to sixty one hundred dollars or something like that for a seven thousand five hundred square foot building standalone with three hundred parking spots on the west side. And on the north side, I had like 32 parking spots, and they let me monetize those 32 on game days. I did yeah. nine and a half grand a year in just, tw- I'd be out there drunk as shit, just drinking and tailgating, having a blast on Sundays. It was like my day off, and I loved home game Sundays. But I made nine and a half grand a year, and I was like, this is great. That's unbelievable. It was so cool. Like, But no, that does not exist now. Now, that's why I like the deep end of Noda right now a lot uh, where you, you like kind of where you used to live that house you're renting down over there by uh, Artisan's Palette and all that yep. kind of stuff. I, I like that back pocket. Yep. I like North Tryon a ton. Like if I'm now thinking of opening a gym, I number one, you better have an audience. Don't start with zero. Did you guys start with an audience or no? Cause you owned the gym, but that was all the way down. <clears> in that, that was all the way down pine. Like that was down South. When you opened that South End location, Metabolic, did you have an audience on day one? Or did the, you just kind of open up and... The audience was... Uh, so my um, old friend, Lance Breeden, that owns Ultimate CrossFit, yeah. <clears throat> who's just funny enough, relocated to Noda, Noda yeah. which is a block from my house. Yeah. So it's weird how all this is. So my audience was... In the fitness space, people that knew me from Lance's gym, and that the fact that I was in my early twenties and was still partying, yeah, 
with with everybody in South End. Yeah. Right. So like that that was my audience. We had a gym in um the Ballantine area, but that that didn't speak to South End. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like I had uh I was young enough and cocky enough. It was like to, an industrial little park yep. area. It was, I remember it was it. I was, you know what there. you want to talk about rent there? Guess what our rent per square foot was? What? A dollar fifty. Oh wow. The square foot. That's what we paid. Oh, uh, wow. Like just to put in perspective. But no, I mean, we took, you know, when you talk about that leap of faith, that risk, all that side of things, like we, we pretty much, our strategy for opening when we went into South End, where we were, were the flagship uh, location is today, we had two weeks and we were like, all right, let's throw two VIP classes a day. And, and we did that like invite only like people we know. It was like, so, so like go your favorite bar, invite all of their <laughs> yeah. bartenders where you get your haircut, invite yep. all the, 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 the salon people, um, the run club you're in, bring, bring these people. All we did. So we, but we we were, uh, if you think about this, this now like has more of a meticulous way you do this for opening a grassroots strategy. But we just were like, find the fucking cool people in the city and like get them in a room and like wow them in the class. Right. But we had two weeks, Monday through Friday, two classes a day, 15 people in a class. And we ran these classes and all we did was, at the end of those two weeks, I think we offered um, a discount off like a founding membership. So by the time we opened Halloween of uh, 2011, we opened with 40 founding members. We didn't <laughs> we didn't have a strategy. Yeah. It was like, you know, the people you like to drink with yeah, often, yeah. and their friends that like out. to drink. Like that's that was the strategy. Yep. Now it's actually really part of a strategy. Um, but no, we didn't really have, we had confidence in ourselves, and, uh, I've always, I've always, and I know we talk about this a lot, but like for people that don't live in Charlotte, it's a, it's a special place. Sure. Like it is a, like, Hey, we love going to these other great cities, but I always say to, um, my partner, JJ, and I, we travel a ton. When we come home, we could be from the greatest cities in America, the, the New Yorks, the, the whatever. Whenever, when you land in Charlotte Douglas, there's something special about going to baggage claim. <laughs> you're running into a lot of young people that are fit. Yeah. All of a sudden, you get your car. You're driving. You see our beautiful, clean skyline. You're like, ah, this is just a good city to live in. Yeah. They yeah. need to clean up Wilkinson more so that commute <laughs> yeah, is a little bit do. better. Yeah, they do. But no, you're 100 percent correct. I remember, and you just had you just had Colby on, right? Correct? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So Colby, remember when he was kicking off Moxie? Remember the company? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember he did that Moxie crawl, like a bar crawl, just a bunch of gyms. Yep. Yep. And I remember you guys were one of the last stops, I think, on the crawl. And I followed the group because they stopped the CrossFit South End, and I went. I like we had a bunch of members do it. Um, and after they, every group went through here, my place, cause I had some beers and stuff at our place. We'd let people, and then I heard they were ending at your place. That was, I think the first time I'd ever stepped foot in metabolic South end was that moxie crawl. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's so funny, man. It's, you know, we talk about that, even like, uh, the Tiber Creek news, like you want to talk about something that like pierces my heart is that Tiber Creek news. My first Christmas here. So I moved here in 2000, end of 2009. Didn't know anybody. Moved my best friend from college down. I was managing a global gym. I was like, hey, uh, I'll get you a job as a trainer. Just move down here with me. 
we didn't go back to Ohio for Christmas the first two years, but we knew the bartenders at Tiber Creek, and they let us come. They would One of the bartenders opened up on Christmas Day, and we spent Christmas Day inside of Tiber Creek, not open to the public at all, and just stayed there, and they cooked food for us. We ate and drank, and it was the most... Anyway, so like when I think of like, oh, I'm all about development, and then I saw the Tiber Creek development, I was like, I know. Oh, God, that fucking stings for a second. Yeah. But I still got to be pro development. Still yeah. pro development. Yeah. Where, let me ask you this. Do you ever, if you guys ever got leased, kicked out of, like, South End just got too expensive for the model, <clears throat> if you guys ever thought about that? Because earlier you, you said something that was interesting. You said you took a risk on buying the building. And the more I think about it now is a, no, I would have taken a risk by not guarantee myself a home. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the option. Yeah. So, uh, Browder, um, I know Browder. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt Browder and what is, what, His uh, wife, um, what's the company? It's Browder. Um, his wife, Chelsea, Chelsea <coughs> Browder. Is that his wife? Or the other Browder don't know sister or something? Still husband Got and wife. No, okay. But yeah, she but, was my broker for a minute. Yeah. So, uh, both, um, I, I know them both together. I know them both independently, uh, good people. Um, but uh, Matt and his company, they've done great buying real estate in the South End area. So we tried to ask, is it a possibility to have a first right of refusal on purchasing it? Sure. <laughs> he he kind of was like. <laughs> let's say uh, I didn't purchase. If you guys ever, let's yeah. just say when lease time comes due, like do you guys ever picture like what would our backup plan be if for whatever reason the new fair market value rate, like when are you up for renewal on the South End location? Um, We have another six years that right. we were guaranteed to, yep. to be okay with. Yeah. <clears throat> so like we have to act on um, renewals and stuff like that, which is fine, but we're, we're protected to do it and we're not in a place that's not okay. Um, I don't know, honestly, uh, I think at that point, like you could, you got enough franchise, you could sun down your HQ if you needed to, cause you couldn't find a South end replacement. We could, and we also could afford to do something stupid yeah, too. Got it. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the two. Um, our our team's level headed. Like like South End is where we were built. It's where we plan to stay. Um, but we we could adjust if needed to. Yeah. But um yeah. Um it's tough to own real estate in Charlotte these it, days. It, 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 it's commercial hard. specifically. It is. And um but the key thing is the cool thing is is you have enough good connections. Like I again mm-hmm. Uh, I, my, my interactions with Yoder only, ex- only, uh, exhibit, um, he came by the spot the other day to go check out that lounge furniture, which by the way, thank you for making the connection on that. And, uh, but like if Yoder and you wanted to go in on a building and you're going to put a nice fat source of drywall in between. So you guys don't fucking piss off his coffee customers. <clears throat> you guys could totally do that. I mean, yeah. like the, there's, that's the great thing about real estate. It's a tough thing to do on your own, but if you have the right partner and someone to split the risk with, it's more feasible than just Argos and Portman Holdings, all the big players that fucking own all the real estate. Yeah. And, you know, it's no, it's those guys and Greek guys. Yeah. Uh, Greek people <laughs> own all the fucking real estate in South End. You just got canceled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but, I, but the other thing, too, is, like, James gets it more than us. But um, the one thing that's nice is, like, if you're offering a product, so the way that uh, commercial is working now um, and because of the work from home culture, uh, they have to provide value for their tenants in these spaces. Yeah. So like there's interesting buildings that are popping up and saying like, we need an anchor tenant. We yep. want you to be there. So I think there's always that play there too. 
Um, the one thing that's nice is um, <clears throat> when you're starting off, you're making a financial decision, right? In the middle, as you're growing, you sometimes have to make some emotional decisions. I think where we sit now, we can just make a strategic decision. We don't have to make an emotional decision. If the right opportunity pops up, we'll do it. Like So, for instance, like we have our two locations in Charlotte. I think we will do a third. But I, I don't have to do a third tomorrow. Sure. Uh, the Noda area you like, I love Noda. Yeah. I, I think that's the place two years from now you, you need to be. Um, but I'm not going to pay for two years from now. Sure. But if the right opportunity makes the building more attractive today, I'll look at it. Yeah. I also love where you, like we're doing this podcast in the west side of town of yep. Charlotte. I love yes. what's happening here. Oh, it's awesome. You guys I just had you guys it. had you guys had your party there. Was it two weeks ago? Yep. We were on the roof. Jess and I were up there drinking, and I was like, "What the?" F-? I'm like, "Oh, I think Brandon and them are falling out. I think that's their party <laughs> now." I saw something about that. Like, yeah. I mean, this is a cool. Yeah, this is a cool little pocket. I'm uh, I'm excited about the growth here. But yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, you and me have talked about it because I remember you wanted to be able to do an uptown. Nobody's been able to pierce the veil of uptown. Now, granted, I wouldn't want to be an uptown right now either. Not enough, yeah. not enough people, not enough density. It's just not there. So selfishly me, I'm a city yeah. person. Yeah, me too. Um, <clears throat> I think when the kids get out of the house, I think me and um, me and my girl, JJ, will find a beautiful loft somewhere yeah. in a beautiful city, and that's yeah. what we'll do. Um, so selfishly, I want to do a fucking sick metabolic in – downtown Charlotte or yeah. uptown Charlotte because that's where we live. Yep. I mean, we're going to open multiple units in D.C. this year. We're going to do Brooklyn uh, and Williamsburg. We're going to do cities, but the city I live in, to be able to do like a posh, like metabolic in our uptown area, if it bounces back, which to be honest, like jury's out. Like, like I, like we don't, like what's going to happen with our cities? No one knows that right now. I'm a big believer that we will return to normal. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, it's a, it's a hope, but like if, if our cities die, the whole world has to regroup and look at the world differently. Um, like do the suburbs become the cool place to live? Fine. Like maybe that's what it is. But as of right now, like if the cities, if cities make their way back, I would love. Yeah. Selfishly to do an uptown Charlotte location. And I'm the same way. I'm a, before I had my kid, I was like, I always want to just do a year. I want to pay above market value rent. I want to get just completely crushed on the rent. I want floor-to-ceiling glass. I want a fucking loft. I want to look out and get skyline views every damn morning. That's what I want. And, and then, then they, they never came. And then, you know, Jess and I joke now, like, you know, we're just like, all right, how, when's Francie 18? Like, how many more years left? You know, <laughs> 14 more years? All right, we got it. But it's, I, I love a city vibe. Like, what we, uh, me and her just went up to Boston for, like, a fuck-off weekend and just ah, go cool. hang out. Uh, it's my one of my, it's my favorite city. But, um, yes, there is something super just powerful there. But for Charlotte to turn back on there, the banks have to get everyone to come back in. And I know everyone listening to this that works at a bank, you probably don't want to. I don't care if it's three days in, two days at home, whatever the fuck it is. I need everybody to come back into the bank. That'll get everyone back into Uptown. And then the problem with Uptown is there's not enough, there's not livability. There's two grocery stores. One of them sucks ass. One of them's a Whole Foods. So you got that shitty Harris Teeter 
over by Graham Street. Yep. And then you got the Whole Foods, and that's yep. it. Like, there's just and there's no retail, there's no shopping, there's no, no commerce, there's no none living. Of that. There's no living. I'm hoping yeah. they can take the epicenter that defaulted and take that from the shithole nightclub, you know, cesspool that it was, and flip it into a cool fucking place, good bars, live music, and really good shopping. Yeah. That that would make that place uh, something that warrants being across the street from a Ritz Carlton. You know, kind of scenario. Um, dope. Listen, B, I uh, I appreciate it, man. This was this was a lot of fun. Uh, if you have not listened or read that or listened to that, read the fucking article that Brandon wrote. Go do so, and then um, I will. Uh, I'm going to read your article or your uh, chapter in here, and I'm going to give people uh, feedback whether they need to go get what winner's mindset or so. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's a story about me and being 20. About you being like 20. It's like so, it's <clears throat> so the story is. Um, I'll summarize it. So when I was 20 years old, I played in some pretty competitive leagues in Canada from a hockey side of things. And it was a different time in the world. Right. Um, but I relate it to like organizational structure and psychology and pretty much it's a coach of mine saying, Brandon, you're not that good. Focus on what you're good at, or we're going to kick you off this team. And, like, it blew me away from now being, you know, 20 years older and thinking about the idea of, like, staying in your lane. Be be good at what you're great at. And don't, like, overextend yourself. And I think the the, for me, I feel like there's, like, this weird overtone on this, like, idea of, like, being overly balanced today. And, um, which is fine. I get that from like a, like a, like a personal side of things. Like if you want balance in your life, that's great. But I also think the idea of bouncing from career to career to career and not getting great at one thing is something that's not as common today. And like my, (laughs) my coach, Dave McQueen, who has still been my favorite coach ever, uh, put me in my place pretty quick as a young 20 year old. And if you want to hear that story you'll enjoy uh it that's dope winner's mindset kids by eric is it severson i, I think so it? severson yeah. i've sure. never met him to be honest dope you just so you just got and this was just a cold dm on linkedin yeah for someone listen brandon doesn't he has a private instagram right this guy is on one platform and one platform only it's fucking linkedin but you like it you do well on it you put content on it and you got asked to be in this book simply by your presence and obviously he's going to google you and find out you you actually do good shit you know what the fuck you're talking about but yeah that's just again yeah obviously from someone like myself a content creator i'm just like find a platform you dig and go all in on it you 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 don't you fucking hate instagram it's like probably you know it's not your thing linkedin is way more your thing yeah, you know what? Like, Instagram could be my thing. It's fine. But, like, for me, it just distracted me. Sure. Like, it was it was that simple. It's like, like you, yeah, can, um, you can be an, uh, an Instagram hero. You can yeah, do yeah. that. It's easy to do. Like, it's 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 fine. But, like, there's certain priorities in my life. I, le- I realize you have to be somewhere on a professional side of things. But, like, <clears throat> I'm sure you have a... Um, a huge network and a close group of friends. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that's me. And, like, when I leave work, I do like to leave work. And I do like to, like, dedicate my time to the people that I love. And, um, fuck it, Instagram. The, the, what yeah. would you call the, What is it called now? Meta? 
Oh yeah, Meta. <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, I don't like rant. Meta. I don't <laughs> like the whole. I don't even like the idea of Meta. So I'm. So I'm. Yep. That's it. I like it. All right, B. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.